You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. At the bottom of the hour, Jay Bromley will join me and we'll break it down from a defensive uh, angle. We'll see what Jay's got to say about what we can expect from uh, both Kansas City and San Francisco's defenses and how they view this contest. And it's a fascinating one to me. Um, When we look at what Brock Purdy's been able to do, And once again, as I mentioned earlier, I get it. I get that we have to rank everybody and we have to talk about how good everybody is and compare everybody because that's what we do in sports, right? That's how some of the best discussions are tabled. That's how they are decided. That's how we win, lose these battles. And Brock Purdy is an outstanding quarterback. Now, are we, are we, if, we, if we had to rank him, are we saying he's better than Mahomes? Is he, is he better than Josh Allen? Is he better than Lamar Jackson? Is he better than this quarterback? Is he better than that? Is he better than Joe Burrow? Is he better than, you know, who? So that's when you get into the discussion. When, and this is the thing we have to remember when we have these discussions. It doesn't mean that he's not a good quarterback. Okay, wherever you pick him, it doesn't mean that he's not good. It just means that, in your opinion, you think that Josh Allen's better, as an example. Okay, I think Josh Allen's better than Brock Purdy. All right, because of arm strength is better, and you break it down however you decide your argument to be. But if we're talking about him being not good as not just an average quarterback, okay, then if he's an average quarterback – but he makes all the plays and he does what his job is to do. And he could be a game manager. <laughs> if I'm a quarterback, if I'm winning and I'm in the Super Bowl, I don't care what you call me. Call me a game manager if you want. Call me a guy that, uh, you know, is lucky to be here, whatever. Whatever you want to do to call me, you can call me, provided I have a shot. I've got a shot right now to be, to be quarterback for the best team for a season in the National Football League. And I have hardware. Now, once again, we can have the discussion individually. Is he better than Mahomes? Is he better than this one? Is he better than that one? And, you know, there's a few that I don't think he is. Okay? But that doesn't mean that he's not a really good quarterback. Doesn't know what that means. So, when you look at what Brock Purdy has been able to do, consummate to where he was drafted, You have to give him his respect for what he's been able to accomplish. There's number one overall picks at quarterback that have never played in the Super Bowl. Well, Larry, look at the team around him. Look at this. Look look at what he has. Look at the coaching. Look at the talent. Look at the yeah, he's got a great team. But how many really good quarterbacks, how many first round picks get to go to good teams? If you're a first-round pick, you're going to a bad team. (laughs) You're not being rewarded for going to a Super Bowl championship team if you're the number one, if you're a quarterback picked high in the first round. If you're the number one pick, number two pick, number three pick overall, you're not blessed with going to a Super Bowl-caliber team when you come into the league. You're not. You are hoped to build that. You are hoped that eventually that will come that way. You are hoped that what the talent around you, they can build around you during that five years before they have to pay you 
whatever the Super Bowl quarterback, whatever great quarterbacks are, that pay scale that they have. But you don't walk in saying, hey, I'm a Super Bowl quarterback. That's why you also add to the fact of it's about not only where you go, but who's coaching you when you get there. And that's not just quarterbacks. That's everybody. That is everybody. I don't care what position it is. Yes, you have talent. Players have talent out of college coming to the National Football League. But it's how you're coached to perform to be the best you can be at the next level. And the scheme that this team employs. And that's intertwined with the talent. So that you're able to take that next step and hopefully your team joins you taking that next step. So I have a lot of respect for Brock Purdy and what he's been able to do. And I think he will have a really good game today. I think this is a close game, ladies and gentlemen. I think I have uh, Kansas City 28-24. I think this is a close one. I think both defenses are going to be bend but don't break. I don't think this is going to be a dominant defensive effort on either way. I expect both teams' offenses to make some plays and move the ball. I just think that Kansas City is going to – it's all, I just think Kansas City is going to be the team that, that wins the game because I'm siding with Mahomes. I'm siding with Mahomes and Reed over Purdy and, uh, and Callahan. Shanahan. That's, a, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm siding with them. They've been there. They know what it takes. They understand the moment. And they're riding a hot streak right now. But as the last caller mentioned, we have not talked a lot about the offensive lines on both sides here. And the San Francisco offensive line is pretty good. It's pretty good. So the the concern is, and the challenge is for Spagnolo. how does he, assuming that this San Francisco offensive line is going to be on their best behavior and perform extremely well, how does he now have the time to, what does he do scheme-wise to kind of confuse Brock Purdy to make him, see what he thinks is but isn't what looks like single coverage but there's safety help over the top what looks like single coverage but there's a a a linebacker underneath that's reading Brock Purdy's eyes and jumps the route and turns it over what what does what what happens there and I know a lot of folks are poo-pooing on Steve Wilkes But for most of the season, Steve Wilkes had this defense playing at an elite caliber level. And I think he will have them ready to go today. This Frisco defense has something to prove. They have not played well in the postseason. And as far as, once again, referring to the last caller, they're not putting pads on (laughs) every practice, okay? They're not doing that. And I know they were upset with the way the, I know they were upset with the way the field was handled and everything like that and whatnot and all that's new stuff. But nevertheless, they will be rested enough that they can go. There's no question about that. And they have not put on the pads and done all that in every single practice 
for these last two weeks to get ready for this game. They've not done it. Not done it. That's not how it goes. 1-800-919-3776. More of your calls next on 9870 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Brock Purdy on conversations he had with Joe Montana and Steve Young. As a matter of fact, Steve Young made some comments on the Michael K. Show Friday about uh, Zach Wilson. We'll hear that in a second. Right now, let me just run through a couple of things on uh, Brock Purdy that jumps out at you, that jumps out at me. Uh, Last game, 315 yards, 267 yards passing, 48 rushing. And a touchdown pass became the fourth quarterback ever with four playoff wins in his first two seasons. Led the NFL in rating 113. Ranked third in touchdown passes with 31, fifth in passing yards with 4,280 in the regular season. Became the fifth player ever with eight games of 120 plus rating in a season. Okay, can play quarterback. Yes, I know he's got Christian McCaffrey. Yes, I know he's got Brandon Ayuk. Yes, I know he's got Debo Samuels. Yes, I know he's got George Kittle. Absolutely. I get it. He's got a lot of talent around him. And for the most part during the regular season, he was able to feed those players. And he was able to do what he did within his own, within what he does well, okay, and not turn the ball over. Now, he threw 31 touchdowns and 11 picks. Sacked 28 times. Completed just over 69% of his passes. Now, if there's a curious thing that you talk about and you say, well, Larry, you know, what's going on with them? What's happening? His average yards per pass, average, average yards per pass, 9.6. Oh, Larry, he's dinking and dunking. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. He doesn't throw the ball deep. Patrick Mahomes, this season, completing just over 67% of his passes. Throwing for 4,183 yards. 27 touchdowns, 14 picks. Sacked 27 times. His average, seven point yards per catch. Hmm. Now, once again, not making any excuse, but for Patrick Mahomes, if he had receivers holding on to the football, his numbers would be better. <laughs> There's no question about it. His numbers would be better. But they weren't holding on to the football. And that's part of the reason why he had interceptions and part of the reason why his completion percentage was so low. A lot of drops for that offense. A lot of drops. Am I now saying that Brock Purdy is better than Patrick Mahomes? Don't misquote me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm giving you an example about how when you look at individual conversations about quarterbacks with stats, you can take numbers and make them do anything for your argument. Do anything for them. 
The question is going to be today. And once again, that's regular season. So you don't play the same caliber of talent every week. Okay, there's some teams that you easily beat. There's some teams that you struggle against. All right, you don't play the same way. You're not playing playoff teams every week in the National Football League. You just aren't. All right, you're not. So that's why, but we use the regular season as for what it is. We look at the playoffs, it was obviously different. All right? But I will say this. What Brock Purdy did uh, two weeks ago in running and using his legs for huge chunks of yardage, Niners don't win that game if he doesn't do that. Plain and simple. They just don't. Mike's in the story. What's up, Mike? Hey, how are you, Mr. Hardesty? I just wanted to say that one of the overlooked things that's not accounted for in the stat sheet is Purdy's ability to move in the pocket. Much like Mahomes, when he feel pressure, stepping up, scrambling for those extra yards, to me, has been the biggest difference. Not the overall athletic ability, just pocket awareness and making, you know, know when to run, know when to go, know when to dump. That's so overlooked with that guy, it's not even funny. That, that's my take. All right, Mike. Thanks for checking in. That piggybacks on what I just said, his ability to run with the ball. And you're right, his ability to extend plays, to be in the pocket, to be aware of what's around him, to understand, okay, I have this amount of time. I can wait maybe a little bit longer, but I got to get rid of it. And so that's, that's what he's been able to do. And that's talent, but that's also coaching. That's also coaching. That's, you know, that clock that we talk about that quarterbacks have in their head all the time, right? That's, that, that's part of that also. That we know, okay, you know, you don't have, you don't have all day. Look at what you see. Look, look at what's going on. Putting your head on the swivel. All those old sayings that you've heard analysts talk about forever, ever in the day when they talk about really good quarterback play. That's what he's been able to do. Okay? Now, will he be able to do that today? with the pressure that I expect that's going to come at him at some point in time in this game. Subi's in Midtown. What's up, Subi? Hey, Larry. I wanted to check in with you regarding Brock Purdy because uh, he has suffered from miscommunication with his receivers, and that led to errant passes and even deflected passes on the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, what's the over-under on interceptions today with him? Because, you know, let's not pretend that good quarterbacks don't throw interceptions do you see a pick six in this game from Mahomes? He suffered from that as well. Or Brock Purdy, do you think the quarterback plays, it's going to be um, the decisive thing? Because that's what people have been saying, whether it's the quarterback or the defense, what's the most decisive thing today? Well, for me, Subi, and thanks for the phone call, it's the combination. It's quarterback play and defense. It's both. And since the quarterback has the ball in his hands the most of anybody on the field, it's going to be quarterback play that's going to decide it. Do I, can I see both quarterbacks having an interception? I absolutely can. Do I think it's going to be uh, both of them pick six? Uh, possible. It is possible. I will be honest with you, because of my belief and what I've seen from Steve Spagnolo, I expect more of a chance of Purdy putting up the, the, the uh, pick six, possibly. Just because I, I, I've just been enamored with what Spagnolo's been able to do with the secondary and manipulate them and, and force players to see what they don't think they see. So because of that, I'm kind of leaning towards Spagnolo. 
But I still think that both quarterbacks have a chance here to turn the football over. I mean, these are two really good defenses. Niners is a good defense. They have a really good defense. I know they haven't played up to it, but just look at that. Look at what they were able to do against really good offenses during this season. I mean, they've dominated. I mean, they have. And let's be fair. Kansas City does not have the, the wide receiver depth that San Francisco has. They don't. I mean, Samuel and Ayuk and Kittle and McCaffrey out of the backfield, that's impressive. Pacheco, Kelsey, maybe Rice. Yeah, that's really good. So it, it's definitely going to be a battle. These two offenses can put points on the board. But it's going to be the team that gets a chance to stay out of must-passing situations. It's the team that can run the football effectively in the red zone. You heard me, Greg Bubble? Just like you always said. You heard me, right? Run the ball in the red zone. That's when you have to be effective. When it's right down near the goal line and everybody thinks you're going to run. They know you're going to run. But you're able to get that two yards on third down or on fourth down to move the chains. That's what will decide this game. And that's offensive line, but that's also the ability to stay out of those must passing situations of big yardage. That's going to be the difference in this game, among other things. When we return, Jay Bromley will join me. We'll get his thoughts on the Super Bowl, Kansas City and San Francisco. We'll discuss it next on 98.7 ESPN. We all- You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Jay Bromley has been with us all football season, giving us his expertise. And, um, you know, you should listen to Jay if you are got some shekels you're waging on ESPN bet because he's been uh, pretty, pretty good. Jay Bromley, welcome back, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing well, Larry. Man, thank you for having me as always. My pleasure, Jay. Jay, I've had a lot of conversation today, and, and obviously when you get to the Super Bowl like this, it's really line play, right? That's the difference. We talk about offensive line and defensive line. I'm old school. It's about the trenches. I know that. That's how I was brought up. That's what I've been told by a number of coaches and players, much like yourself. So take me through from a defensive standpoint. Take me through the two offensive lines. Start with San Francisco, then go to Kansas City, and tell me as a defensive player, what are you looking to exploit on both lines? Because I think really – the Niners line is probably just a shade better than Kansas City with the injuries they've got. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Obviously, you have Hall of Famer Trent Williams uh, securing that left tackle spot with the 49ers. And then from there, you just have solid play across the board. Um, and obviously, he raises the level of that play. So, Trent, so a lot of the runs just spread out, right? They're wide zones, getting Christian McCaffrey moving. So, I think that the 49ers definitely hold a slight edge in that department. 
from the Chiefs' perspective, they have, you know, a solid offensive line as well. Obviously, they have Patrick Magic Mahomes back there who who, who kind of erases a lot of their, their shortcomings. They have two tackles that are probably top two tackles in holding flags on the year. So they have guys that are willing, and they know who's back there, so they're willing to take those penalties to protect them. So I think that's something that needs to, that's going to be looked at from a, the defensive perspective of knowing that you're going to get held. It's not always going to be called, but they kind of know what they're doing. Jay, how, the, how will Steve Spagnuolo, what is he looking to do to Brock Purdy this evening? I think Steve Spagnuolo, uh, it's funny that you say that because I think the defense has adopted a thought process of in Spags we trust, right? <laughs> and Spags has been Spags since, since, uh, since the giant days. Uh, Spags is a guy who understands the offense as well, who understands the, the, the quarterback that he's going against and understands that the main job of a defense, the best thing you can do is make quarterbacks uncomfortable. Uh, timely blitzes, blitz early and often, hit the quarterback, rattle him a little bit, and, and get him to throw off his timing. So I expect Spags to blitz early and often. So Brock Purdy, that's uh, he's unproven in this area, right? So let's see if the, the the jitters we can get to him. When we look at Purdy, what are some of the things defensively he does well? When you when you're playing against him defensively, what are the things that you have to be careful of? I think he takes what the defense gives him. Um, I think he's, he's well adapted at kind of seeing that first read and then getting it out to McCaffrey in the backfield or obviously having a running back like McCaffrey to lean on is, is a great luxury that he has. So he knows when he doesn't see a look that he likes, he'll, he'll kind of go to that. Obviously, the conversation with Bob Purdy has always been about, is he a game manager? Is he? Look, the man had a better season than Patrick Mahomes, okay? And, this is, and that takes away nothing from Patrick Mahomes, but statistically he had a better season. So the guy can throw the ball. Um, as far as his necessity to have to throw the ball, like Patrick Mahomes, that's, that's not, he doesn't have that opportunity because he doesn't need to. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have Christian McCaffrey. You know, so, so, those, so looking at what Brock Purdy does, he really is good at getting to that check down, whatever that is, after reading that first read. And obviously every now and again, he'll make something happen with his legs. Jay Bromley is my guest. We're breaking down right now the San Francisco offense. What is what does Spagnolo want to take away, Jay? Does he he can't take away everything. He can't take away Kittle. He can't take away Samuel. He can't take away McCaffrey. And he can't take away Ayuk. So what does he try to take away? And your from your experience with him? No knowing Spags, it's always about the big play. Um big plays runs over ten yards, passes over twenty. Those are considered big plays in the NFL. And with McCaffrey, the, the goal of the defense is to set an edge as a defensive end or, you know, cover corner, build a wall. That means you want to have defensive linemen that are playing where you can see their numbers, that they're not turned shoulders, and track the hip. So that means whoever's on the backside is, is, you know, is going as hard as they can to track down that running back or ball carry. So I think stopping the run is always the first, the, the first thing you want to do because if you stop the run, everything else opens up. If you let Christian McCaffrey run for five yards a pop, then everything is open. All that play-action game, all the screen game, those linebackers' eyes get big because they don't expect the defensive line to be able to stop anybody. So if Chris Jones can get those guys on one accord and just being fundamentally sound, that'll, that'll make it a lot easier for Speed and the guys on the back end to not be so uh, 
to not be so anxious about, man, I need to come up and make a tackle or it's going to be, you know, 88 out the gate for you to say. Jay, what's been missing from the San Francisco defense over the past month? I mean, they were a defense that were a dominating defense. They were physical. They were just pounding people. What has happened to this defense? Is it fatigue? Is it, is it, have they been out schemed? What's happened? Essentially, I mean, we, they have, they have a D line full of first round picks for the most part. Um, they have, you know, linebackers that are all pro, pro bowl level. Um, and they're good in the back end. There's no area where there's really a true weakness on this team. So ultimately, I just say, man, they just, would have been out schemed. So when you say you have the players and a lot of times it comes from the Moe's and the Joe's, they kind of know how to attack that. And they know how to, you know, get the ball out in a specific amount of time. There's no, there's always a weakness to a defense. And if somebody has a, a propensity to play a certain defense more than others, whether cover two, cover three, man, if you find that out, you're going to find an open man. That's just a matter of time. And you also have to look at what quarterbacks have they been going against, right? Have they been against more experienced quarterbacks that can see that cover two, cover three, who can make the adjustment at the line of scrimmage, right? So all those things factor into a team's potential changing and, and, and demise ultimately over a course of time. So I think that all those things play a part, but they have the talent and skill and ability and coaching to kind of flip that switch and get right. One more thing before we look at Kansas City, uh, Jay. Could we see uh, Spagnolo do what he did a couple of weeks ago against Lamar Jackson in that no matter whether you send a player in motion or not, he did not kind of show you what the defensive scheme was for each particular play? Yeah, I, I, 100%, especially if that's something that the 49ers want to do uh, early and often, right? What is the purpose of sending somebody in motion, right? The purpose of sending somebody in motion is to read, is for show me your cards, defense. Show me if you're in man. Show me if you're in zone. Once the quarterback has that information, he can look at the formation and kind of understand whether it's two deep, three deep, and then he knows who's open. So that's the whole purpose of those pre-snap reads. So Spags doesn't want to give away those pre-snap reads. A lot of Spags' defenses, even his zones are match zones. So that what that means is it basically turns into man anyway. Hmm. So, so he, he just wants to try to keep the offense guessing as much as possible, and Brock Purdy, Purdy being young, try to take half a second or him a second longer for him to diagnose something. Jay Bromley's my guest. Jay, let's talk about the Kansas City side of the field now. What is defensively, if you are Frisco, what are you trying to do to Patrick Mahomes to try to make it a little tougher for him to move the ball down the field? So uh, on the other side of that coin, right, we have an experienced quarterback, Super Bowl champion, all pro, you know, I say all these different things. You have this guy, but there's nothing that you can do that he doesn't understand or hasn't seen. So what is going to be the difference of what you can do to him? You have to hit him early and often. You have to hit him early and often. You have to run games early and often. If guys haven't proven that they can win one-on-one consistently, then you run games early and often, or you move Nick Bosa around, right? You move these guys around because you don't want them on the best player every single, every single snap. You want weak, weak mismatches, exploiting mismatches. So if there's a guard that – that the defensive coordinator knows the weak link on the Kansas City side, put Nick Bosa on him on third down, right? That's what the Giants used to do. That's what the Giants did to win their Super Bowls, right? Exploit mismatches. So I see that in order to affect great quarterbacks. How important is Isaiah Pacheco to this Kansas City offense, especially the way he was used a couple of weeks ago where he wasn't in a position where he was in the backfield. He was really used in the screen game. 
Well, I think he's, he's exceptional. Obviously, um, almost a thousand yards in the season this year. But the whole goal of that is to kind of change the formation, right? Uh, change the expectation. Kind of when you when you line a guy up, a guy up in the the gun, you kind of know where the ball is going, right? So some things are predictable. It's a one way for them to kind of add a scratch in to make it less predictable. Because if I'm running a screen with Pachenko, it's pretty much a run anyway. You just want to get it in his hands in a different way, change the angle of the pursuit of the defense. So I see that as just a Andy Reid being exactly who he is, getting his playmakers in space. Obviously, Rasheed Rice was real big for Kansas City in the game against Baltimore. But one of the things that we've noticed about Kansas City is they've gotten inconsistent play from their receivers, including Travis Kelsey. Uh, who's going to be the wide receiver you're kind of looking at today to be that guy that's going to make a difference? Like you said, uh, Travis Kelsey, obviously, is the number one. That's going to be the one guy they're going to try to take away with everything they have. Rasheed Rice is your, is your next guy. Um, but from there, you got to have Valdez Scantling, right? He's a, he's a mm. pro. He's a veteran. He's a field stretcher, right? Um, obviously, early in the season, had some drops that couldn't won some games. But, um, you know, all that's a race. Nothing else matters except for today. It's a who's better today is we're going to win this, win this game today. So I think Valdez Scantlin has to step up and has to show that, that ability to vertically stretch the field that softens up the defense for Pachenko in the run, right? So I think he's definitely that guy. But obviously I see like Watson coming there for some, some timely possession catches, right? So we, we see guys that can go out there and really help. And obviously Gray, the tight end, how they like to mix that up with him and Travis Kelsey, those 12 personnel sets. Right, predicting what the defense is going to be in as far as their personnel grouping and then mismatching them with the tight ends that they have on their team with the size and speed. So that can be something he wants to exploit. But, again, the 49ers have really good interior linebackers, so that might be something they don't want to do too often. Former NFL D lineman Jay Bromley is my guest. You're listening to The Drive here on 98.7 ESPN as we're breaking down the Super Bowl today, Kansas City and San Francisco. Jay, we always talk about it, and it's about adjustments, right? We see different players and coaches looking at their tablets on the sideline. We see all these things. Um, your experience with Steve Spagnolo, how quick is he to make the adjustments when he sees that a team is doing something that, you know, is, is, is being successful? How long does it normally take him to make that adjustment and turn things around? On the sideline, uh, Steve, uh, from my experience, even what we see with Chiefs, he loves being on the sideline. Why? Because he likes to talk to the guy. He doesn't just want to sit up there and call plays and act like it's mad and, and the people don't matter. He wants to know, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? All right? And once he goes to the guys and he has those conversations, he'll start to say, hey, what do you like? And then the guys will be like, hey, man, I like this, man. They really couldn't handle X, Y, and Z. You know, they, they're not handling the text game well. So the defensive line, we might say, hey, man, call this play more, right? Or call, or give us a liberty to, to run this more. So and he'll listen to that. Steve has always been like that. So if you're winning, if Steve is like, hey, man, if it's winning, let's keep doing it. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's the great thing about Steve Spagnuolo, his ability to trust his players in that way. All right, Jay, break this down for me. Who do you give the edge when you sit back with your vast experience of playing the game at the highest level? Which do you have more confidence in? Do you have more confidence in uh, Reed and Spagnolo, or do you have more confidence in Shanahan and Wilkes? 
I would have to go with Reed and Spagnola. Um, just from that, it's like a pedigree thing almost, right? Their tree almost touches a lot of the league with the people that they've been able to influence and, and really help uh, mentor and tutor to the positions that they're in. Um, again, part of it is always being willing to learn and listen and, um, and their ability to lead men at the end of the day. Spagnola, I know personally, excellent leader um, of men. And then um, as far as Reed goes, we hear great things about him as far as his, his willingness to even listen to. I heard a story about him getting a play from a janitor one time, right? Like willing to humble yourself, not saying, hey, man, whatever you said, it's stupid. It doesn't make sense. You, all you do is clean toilets. No, but being willing to listen to say, you know what, maybe you're on to something. And um, so I think that humility goes a long way with coaches and, and obviously with anyone if we can adopt it. Jay, this is the biggest game in these players' lives. Some it's their first time there. All the week of all the weeks of preparation and from training camp all the way from OTAs, right, all the way up until now. What is that emotion like? I know you haven't had a chance to be in the big game, but you've talked with players who have. What's that emotion like? What is that like to get to this point and understand that you are one game away, four quarters away from being crowned the best in the world. How does that pressure relate? How does that how does that affect you? I would imagine, man, it's nothing like it. Um, it's, it's, it's being so close to the goal that you can taste it and you can smell it. Um, when you start in OTAs and you start in, in all mandatory minicamp, man, you're so far away. You're building camaraderie. You're building teamwork. You're building chemistry. You're doing all these things. The wins and the losses, man, they benefit you both. And through that all, you're seeing the character of your teammates. You're seeing things unfold. The character of your coaches, right? Do they fold? And when, they, when they're not doing well, and they've been having a slump in their play calling, are they folding? Are they coming in? Do they come in energetic? Do they come in with the juice, right? Do they come in with a, hey, man, we're going to get it right mentality, right? You get to see all these things play out because one thing you can't ignore, none of us, can get away from is that human experience of failure and success, the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. And um, with this right now, I think that in the best state, the guy was just like, man, I'm so grateful to be here. And all I got to do is do what I've been doing to get the job done. All right. Like, so just focus on doing exactly what you did to get here. Right. And let the best team win and go out there and make those plays for your teammates. So I know it's just an opportunity for families and loved ones and everybody to watch and be a part of it. I can only imagine it, but man, it's like, this is what we, this is what we started doing in February, March. And now we're here. Jay, um, one more thing. We haven't talked about it. We've talked about the offense. We talked about the defense. We talked about receivers, quarterbacks, coordinators and everything. How big is special teams going to be in this game? Uh, we can't forget one, one third of the game, right? One third of the game is, is special teams, right? It would be punts and kickoff, kickoff returns. Um, seeing how, you know, the guys really adapt to that, right? Uh, we just, I just seen it. Tony last year had one of the longest punt returns in Super Bowl history. And unfortunately he won't be playing tonight. So that goes to show you that that's a, that's an exact part of the game. So we'll see what they can do. Um, both special teams right this year, rank ranking wise, man, just you know, work, working through themselves, middle differentials and everything like that, middle of the pack, some more ahead. But overall, I think a block punt here, depending on how the game is going, can change games that we've seen. Who's going to be 
the, you know, the Detroit Lions, right, and Campbell, right, who's going to be the most aggressive guy and do something that no one expects, right? So there's also that part of the game, so it'll be exciting to watch. Jay, who wins today? I give it to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to do what Patrick Mahomes does. I think that the 49ers will, will give every, them everything they can handle. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to key plays and key guys. And I think they have a quarterback and, and a receiver, Travis Kelsey, mainly to get that job done. Jay Bromley, listen, my friend, thanks for your expertise during the season. We'll have you back next Sunday. We'll get your thoughts. Even though it'll be a week old, we'll, we'll see what you had to say about it and give us uh, your thoughts on some of the things we might see in the draft with both local football teams. But, uh, Jay, your, your contribution this season has been invaluable. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game today, my friend. You deserve it. <laughs> Jay Bromley. When we return, we'll wrap up this edition of The Drive right here on 98.7 ESPN.